Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Kyle Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. Welcome everyone. So good to be gathered in God's house together. Also want to welcome all those joining us online uh, and say a special hello to all the men and women in our correctional ministry, which includes uh, all those joining us from the Belize Central Prison. We love you. We believe in you. We're praying for you. Come on, Defiance. Help me welcome our church family today. So good. It's awesome. Well, today we are continuing on in week number two of our series called I've Got Good News. And last week we talked about how that phrase or that term good news isn't just referring to the message of Christianity, but more importantly, the messenger. And the messenger is Jesus. That the good news isn't just just knowing the story of Jesus in our heads, The good news is that we can have a relationship with Jesus and know him in our hearts. Not only can we have a relationship with God, which by the way is what separates Christianity from every other religion, right? We can have a relationship with God because religion is man's attempt to get to God, but Christianity is God's attempt to get to us. And so not only does God wanna have a relationship with us, But then there are some things that he wants to do in us so that we can experience all that he has for us, not only in this life, but in the life to come. And so last week we talked about how Jesus came to bring good news to the poor. Today I wanna talk to us about how Jesus wants to bring and has brought good news to the brokenhearted. And the title of the message today is He Binds the Broken. He binds the broken. And I wanna start things off by taking a look at our theme scripture for this entire series. Now, last week we looked at it from Luke chapter four when Jesus has just started his public ministry. He went out into the wilderness led by the Holy Spirit where he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and was tempted by the, the devil. And then he's just finished up with that and he's come back into the town of Nazareth. And one of the very thir- first things that he does is he goes into the synagogue, he goes into the temple, he goes into church, if you will, and he specifically chooses this scroll to read from that contains this prophecy that was written over 500 years before Jesus was even born. And he reads this, this prophecy. And so last week we read it from Luke chapter four, but I wanna, I wanna read from what Jesus read from that day. It's found Isaiah chapter 61, Verse one, and Jesus is reading this. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. We talked about that last week. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Other versions say to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Now, what's interesting is I want us to to notice that, that phrase, to bind up, because it literally means to bandage. Think of putting a Band-Aid on a cut or a bandage around a, a, a wound, which speaks to not only does Jesus, did Jesus come to comfort us in our brokenness, if you will, but he also came to bring healing 
into our lives. In fact, one of the things I think about the comfort of Jesus is to accept us right where we're at. That God, one of the ways that Jesus comforts us is by saying, I I know you feel like you're unqualified. I, I know you feel like you don't measure up. I know you feel like you're not good enough, but let me comfort you in your brokenness and remind you, this is why I came. And not only do I wanna comfort you, I wanna bring healing into your life as well goes on that the next word brokenhearted uh, literally means brokenness. And this word really includes all the broken areas of our lives, whether it's a physical brokenness, maybe some of us came in with some physical struggles today, maybe some pain in our, in our bodies, maybe, maybe an illness or a disease or a diagnosis, whether it's arthritis or migraines, whatever it is, there's a physical brokenness that we've been dealing with. And Jesus came not only to comfort us, but also to heal the physical brokenness in our lives. But this word brokenhearted also speaks to the emotional brokenness that we can deal with. That, you know, the, the, the brokenness on the inside of us speaking to to maybe some mental health struggles that we can have, whether it's depression or discouragement or anxiety or fear or just an emptiness on the inside, or maybe we can't even diagnose it. Maybe we can't even put a finger on it, but I just know there's something wrong with me. There's just something missing with me on the inside of my heart, inside of me. And then also that word brokenhearted speaks to the brokenness that we can have when it comes spiritually speaking, in our relationship with God. How many of us know that, that sin separates us from God? And one of the reasons, another reason why Jesus came was to not only comfort us, but to heal the spiritual brokenness that we can have in our lives. That the good news is that Jesus came to bandage up and bring healing to the broken areas of our lives. And the truth is, we're all broken. Now, I know that we can kind of surround ourselves with things that kind of take our minds off of our brokenness. I know that we can surround ourselves with things in our life to maybe try and convince ourselves that we're not broken. I know that we can drink something, smoke something, or take something to numb out the brokenness in our lives. But the truth is, every single one of us is broken. And there can be these unrealistic expectations when it comes to the church. Like people can have these unrealistic expectations thinking that people who go to church are are perfect and they do everything right. But hopefully, hopefully all of us have come to the understanding that every single one of us are messed up and broken, but we just realize how much we need God. Isn't that the church? Isn't the church a bunch of people who realize, man, I'm messed up, I'm broken, and I've come to realize I've tried everything else, and I've come to the realization and the conclusion that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. That's the church, right? That we all have issues. In fact, we like to say around here, if you don't think you have issues, man, that's your issue. Because we all got issues, we all got stuff. But the good news is just because we are broken doesn't mean we have to stay broken because the whole reason Jesus came to the earth, died on a cross and rose from the grave was to bandage up comfort and heal the broken areas of our lives. Come on, he binds the broken. He binds the broken. I love how the psalmist echoes this truth and this reality 
in Psalm 147, uh, verse three, take a look at it. It says, he, he being God, heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. And I'm just curious, how many of us believe that God has the power to heal? Anybody today? Because what's interesting, as we study the Bible, what we discover is that there is story after story, miracle after miracle of God healing people. In fact, in the New Testament alone, there's 30 different stories, accounts, or miracles where Jesus healed people who had sickness in their body. In fact, did you know that 50% of Jesus's ministry was him healing the sick? I mean, Jesus opened blind eyes, right? He healed deaf ears. He made the lame to walk. He even raised people from the dead. Come on, he binds the broken. That's who he is. That's what he does. That's his nature. In fact, there's, a, there's an awesome story in the book of Acts where the Bible tells us that the apostle Paul was preaching a message in this building. They were on the, like the second level, the second floor, and he's preaching this message. And the Bible tells us that he went on and on and on and on. He just kept preaching and kept going into the night. Have you ever been bored during a sermon at another church? <laughs> I'm just teasing, I'm teasing. But the Bible tells us that he just went on and on and on, and he just kept preaching, and there was a guy sitting in the windowsill who falls asleep and actually fell out the window down, and he died. Now, I know some of you have fallen asleep during my sermons these past 10 years, but to my knowledge, none of you have ever died during one of my sermons. But, but thank goodness, Paul runs down the stairs. He goes outside and he lays hands on this guy and he prays a prayer of faith and God raises him from the dead. How many of us know that we serve a God to whom which all things are possible? We serve a God who can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can think, ask, or even imagine according to his power that is at work in his church. And that's why today at the end of the service, we're just gonna make some room and we're gonna take some time to pray and ask and believe for God, for God to heal the brokenness in our lives. Maybe some of the brokenness physically that some of us came in with. Maybe some of us came in emotionally broken. I'm tired, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I got fear. I can't even put my finger, I just know there's a brokenness. On Jesus binds the broken. That's why he came, not only to bandage those things up and comfort us, but to heal the broken areas of our lives. Maybe some of us came in spiritually broken. We, we know God's word, we know the story of Christianity, we know the story of Jesus, but we've never encountered a relationship with him, where well, I'm saying today, God wants to heal the broken areas of our lives. He binds the broken. And I don't know about you, but I've seen God do some incredible things uh, as, a, as a Christian. I've seen God heal. I've seen God do some miraculous things. In fact, as I was just kind of studying and, and preparing for the message today, I was reminded of how eight years ago, my mom, who, who now lives in Defiance, she, she was at first service. She comes to church here and and, uh, and she's this incredible woman of God. But eight years ago, she lived in Oklahoma and she has battled type one diabetes for 
man, almost her entire life. Well, eight years ago, she had complete kidney failure. Her kidneys just shut down. And of course, as soon as I got word, I, I jumped on a plane and I flew back. Uh, and I went to the, you know, went into the hospital. And I'll never forget meeting with the doctor. He told me, man, this, it doesn't look good. Complete kidney failure. And, and I just don't think there's really anything that we can do. And I just remember asking the doctor, there's nothing, like nothing we can, there's not, no, there's nothing we can do. <laughs> like there's gotta be something. He goes, well, we can try dialysis, uh, but I think there's a slim to none ch no chance that that could even work. And I just remember going, Doc, well, if there's a slim chance, I say we try every option that we possibly have until we're all out of options. And so I said, I mean, let's try it. And he, he obviously agreed to it. And, and I'll never forget, go, forget going into the hospital room and just grabbing my mom's hand and just praying a prayer of faith and asking God to heal her, asking God to do what only he can do. I know what the doctor says, but God, what do you say? God, there's power in your name. You, you bind the broken. You don't just comfort us in these moments. You want to heal us in these moments. And, and we prayed and two days later, she went on dialysis and, and within like a day of her getting on dialysis, uh, her kidneys started functioning again. And then within two weeks, she had complete and hunt her kidneys were back to 100%. Two weeks later, the doctor couldn't believe it. He goes, I didn't see it coming. I've never seen anything like this. And he told me 90% of his patients that he puts the port into them to, to do dialysis, 90% of the time, that port never comes out. Once it goes in, it never comes out. A month later, they took the port out. That was eight years ago. And to this day, her kidneys are fully functioning and she's doing quite well. But, but let me ask this a question. How many of us have ever prayed for God to heal someone and for whatever reason, it didn't happen? Because at the same time, while God healed my mom's kidneys, I've also been praying for the past 20 years that God would heal her of type one diabetes that has wreaked so much havoc in her world and for whatever reason, that hasn't happened. In all reality, I don't know why sometimes God heals and then why other times he doesn't. Now I believe in a God who not only can heal, but does heal, but then sometimes I can be confused and even conflicted at why God chooses to heal some things and why other things he doesn't. Like, like I, know that you, I knew that you would until you didn't. God, I knew that you could until it didn't happen the way I thought it was gonna go. How, how do we reconcile that? What do we do with that? How, how do we continue to pray and believe and have faith when we don't always understand why God heals sometimes and why other times he doesn't? Like if we, if we believe that God can and we know that he has, but then he doesn't always do what we know he could do or even think that he should do. I wanna kinda address this, this struggle and this tension that all of us can have from time to time, especially when it hits, hits close to home. How many of us know the tension and the confliction that we feel is when that hits close to home? Someone that we love is going, does, God doesn't heal someone that we're praying that we love, or maybe it's us that we're praying and believing, but yet we still have this infirmity or this struggle or this issue. I wanna kind of address those questions that we, we might have today, while at the same time, 
hopefully build our faith. And so I have six points today, but I've broken them into threes to make you think we only have three points, all right? So the first set of three points I want to give to us is really, I want to give us three reasons why Jesus didn't do miracles in the Bible, why he didn't maybe heal someone. And so the first reason, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, is number one, Jesus refused to perform miracles to prove himself. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I have. God, if you'll just do this, come on, don't leave me hanging up here, church. God, if you'll just do this and prove that you're real, if you get me out of this, if you heal that, God, if you'll just do this and prove that you're real, I'll follow you the rest of my life. Like somehow we can barter back and forth with God. Somehow all of a sudden we're just on the let's make a deal show, right? And we're trying to make a deal. But how many of us know God doesn't work like that? He's God. He's God. He's God. And he doesn't have to prove himself to anybody. And he doesn't have to perform miracles. And he's not a genie you can rub the lamp just right and get your three with. He's God. He's the creator of the universe. And he doesn't perform miracles just to prove that he is who he says that he is. And he can do what he said he can do. And I think one of the reasons why he doesn't do that is because it wouldn't matter anyways. If he did everything that we told him to do or asked him to do or whatever concoction or formula we come up with for God to move, you know, we do that, right? If I just approach God just this way and if I pray this certain, if I look over this way and I just say this, thou say it, maybe he'll move this time. Stop it, Right? That's why if you, read, if you read the Gospels, even read through the book of Mark, you, you realize he never did the same miracle the same way at the same time. It was all different. Why? He's trying to tell you there's, there's, not a, there's not a special prayer that you can pray because it's not about the prayer. It's about, it's about me. It's about the, why I came. It's about my nature. It's about my character. Don't, don't, don't get so caught up in the formula that you forget who you're talking to, right? It's me. Right, so we, 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 we do that, right? We come up with this, conco- God said, no, no, don't, don't get caught up in that. I, don't, I, don't, I think one of the reasons why he doesn't do that because if he did all the things we asked him to do, we would get caught up in that and we would miss. We'd get, we get, we, we get caught up in, in the message and lose sight of the messenger. We'd know the story, but we'd miss the savior. I wanna show us, this is a great example of this in, in the book of Mark, Mark chapter eight, verse 11 and 12. The Pharisees came and, and they began to question Jesus. And we see the motive of the heart in this case was that they were trying to test him. And they asked him for a sign from heaven. Do something, Jesus, to prove that you really are the son of God. And Jesus, man, he sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. I'm not doing miracles just to prove myself. I do miracles that are in line with the heart of God, which leads me to the second reason why Jesus didn't perform miracles or healings in scripture. Number two is this, if you take a note, that Jesus never performed a miracle that interfered with God's ultimate plan. This is important for us to understand. He never performed a miracle that interfered with God's ultimate plan. And there's a great example of this in 
in scripture, when Jesus and the disciples, they went off to the garden of Gethsemane to spend some time in prayer, Judas has already left. He's, he's already started the betrayal. And eventually the, uh, the Roman soldiers, along with Judas, the betrayer shows up in the garden of Gethsemane. And if you remember, Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss signaling and identifying this is the person uh, to the Roman soldiers that they need to take into custody. And if you've read this account, um, you know that Peter, one of the disciples of that, at that point, pulls out a sword. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, but, but my opinion is that he completely missed the target. I don't know if he closed his eyes when he grabbed the sword. I don't know if the sword was too heavy. He's got to get himself in the gym a little bit. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Or he's just not coordinated like your pastor or what. But he takes the sword and he, he swings it. And the Bible doesn't tell us, but I feel like he missed what he was going for. And he cuts off the guy's ear. And at that point, Jesus says, hold up, whoa, whoa, whoa. hold up, Peter. That, that's not what we're doing right now. Because those who live by the sword die by the sword. Put that away. And then he goes on the ground, he picks the ear up, and the Bible says that he touches the man's ear and completely heals it. And so he performs a miracle. But then at the same time, the Roman soldiers take him into custody where he would eventually go through several illegal trials and then eventually he was flogged where he had the, the crown of thorns that scholars believe the thorns were around two to two and a half inches long pressed into his skull which, have, which would have caused the migraine of all migraines then he was beaten and he was whipped with the, the, the cat of nine tails, this, this, this leather whip that would have been soaked in water so it was heavy, that had pieces of bone and metal through the end of it, even had a piece called the scorpion, which was much like a fish hook that had barbs going one way, but barbs going the other way too, so that when it hit the flesh, it stuck into it. And then when the whip was pulled back, it would rip pieces of the flesh off of the individual being whipped. Now we know Roman citizens were only allowed to be whipped at, at most 39 times, 39 lashes, but we know Jesus wasn't considered a Roman citizen. So, so the Jewish people, they could have been whipped as many times as the Roman soldiers wanted to. And so we don't know how many times he was whipped, but the one thing that we do know is that he was unrecognizable when it was all done. They couldn't even recognize, was, is that Jesus? He's so bloody, he's so brutalized, he's, he's so beat up, I can't even tell who he is. Now he could have healed himself, he could have rescued himself from that, that ordeal. He could, have, he could not have to go to the cross and go through all of that, but we know the Bible tells us just in one place that by his stripes we are healed. So we know God, Jesus is, is not gonna perform a miracle or a healing if it interferes with God's ultimate plan. And we see this back in the Garden of Gethsemane after Jesus heals the Roman soldier's ear, the thing that he tells the disciples and he tells Peter, take a look at it, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 53, he's, he's talking to Peter here. He says, don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly, in a moment. 
he does a miracle, heals the guy's ear, and in another moment, when it would have interfered with God's alternate plan, he withholds a miracle, even when the disciples around him don't fully understand. Why, Jesus? Have you ever been in that place? Why, Jesus, do you heal one thing, but then you don't perform a miracle over here? The third reason Jesus didn't perform miracles in, in the Bible is number three, Jesus didn't do miracles where there was no faith. Where there was no faith. And we see a great example of this in his hometown. The, the, the Bible says that the, the people just saw him as ordinary, as common. Isn't that Joseph's son? Isn't he a son of that carpenter? There's no way he's the savior. There's no way he's the Messiah. There's no way that he can heal and perform miracles. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes the people in Jesus's hometown gets a bad rap. Sometimes I can kind of look down upon them and be like, man, they missed it. The Messiah was right there and they missed him. They didn't even have the faith. But, but then I thought to myself, how many times have I said in my life, there's no way God can do this. I don't, there's no way, how many times have I looked at my brokenness and thought to myself, there's just no way God can come through. How many times have we looked at our problems, our situations, our struggles, and we said, man, God can't do this. God's not gonna come through for me. Or, or, or maybe even worse, we've not even considered praying and asking God. That hit me. How many times have I found myself in the middle of a struggle, situation, difficulty, in the middle of my brokenness, and I'm not even taking the time to ask Jesus for healing, to ask Jesus to move in my life? We, we see this back you know, in his hometown. I'll show it to you in Scripture. Matthew chapter 13, verse 58 says, And he, he being Jesus, did not do any miracles there because of what? Because of their lack of of faith. See, we have to understand that faith moves the heart of God. Our faith matters to God. And our faith isn't based on what God does or doesn't do. Our faith is based on who God is. You see, when we pray a prayer of faith, it touches the heart of God. For example, in scripture, you remember the story of that woman with the issue of blood? The Bible tells us that she had this issue for 12 years and she spent her time and her energy and all of her resources trying to find a cure, trying to find healing. I'm gonna try this thing. I'm gonna try this thing. Maybe, maybe this, this, this new treatment, maybe this'll do it. Now, I want you to notice, this is 12 years. This isn't 12, 12 months. This isn't 12 weeks. This isn't 12 days that she has dealt with this issue. It's year after year after year of maybe her getting her hopes up. Maybe this treatment will work. Maybe this time I can find some healing only to be discouraged, only to once again have that same brokenness in her body. And the Bible says that she's tried everything, but then she catches wind of a man named Jesus who was walking through her town and there's crowds of people, and even though she was not supposed to be around other people because she was deemed ceremonially unclean, she goes out of her house because she thinks to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just get next to this man they call Jesus, if I could just get next to him, he can heal me of my physical brokenness in my life. And so the Bible says that she pushes through the crowd 
she touches the hem of his garment and he stops and he says, well, hold up, somebody just touched me. And the disciples are like, yeah, Jesus, everybody's touching you. We're in the middle of a crowd. And he said, no, 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 someone touched me with faith. Someone touched me with faith. All these people are touching me, but there's one, there's one person in the midst of this crowd who is willing to touch me with faith. I wonder if there's anyone here today who's willing to touch Jesus with faith. And the Bible says that she turns around, he turns around and he looks at her and he says, daughter, which I love. It speaks to his compassion and his love for his kids. Daughter, do you see how he personalized it? Daughter, your Faith has healed you. Another time in scripture, there's this man with leprosy who struggled with this skin disease and he's been deemed unclean. He's been casted out of the camp and he comes and he falls at the feet of Jesus and he worships Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, rise and go, your faith has healed you. Another time there's this blind man who cries out to to Jesus, he says, I can't see you, but I, I know you're there. Son of man, have mercy on me. And Jesus looks at him and says, your faith has healed you. See, our faith matters to God. And, and, and as I've studied the scriptures, I've come to the conclusion that there's only one thing that truly amazes God. There's only one thing that amazes Jesus. It's, it's not how well we can perform. It's not how long we can go without sinning. There's one thing that amazes the heart of God. You know what it is? Our faith. It's our faith, our faith. We see this time and time again in scripture. Remember the, the Roman centurion? comes to Jesus and says, my servant is sick and he's dying back in my home. Would you be willing to heal him, Jesus? And Jesus says, take me to your house. And the, the Roman soldier said, well, actually, I'm a, I'm a man of authority. And I know if I give the command, if I give the order, I don't even have to go to make sure that it gets done. I know if I give the order, it's gonna happen. And Jesus, I know if you just say the word, he'll be healed. And Jesus was blown away. He's like, nowhere in all of Israel have I seen such great faith. He was blown away by our faith amazes Jesus. And so God wants to take us on this faith journey. And I wanna help us understand faith just a little bit more. In fact, in this journey of faith that we're all on, it's, it's interesting, the book of James uh, talks about sick people getting well and, and people getting healed. And so I wanna take a look at this, this passage of scripture, James chapter five, verses 14 through 18. We're gonna read just a little scripture today. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let me put it in our terms today for, for the message. Is anyone among you broken? Did anyone come in today with a physical brokenness? Did anyone come in today with an, an emotional brokenness on the inside of who you are? Did anyone come in today spiritually broken and distant from God? Is anyone among you sick or broken? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Which once again, at the end of service today, we're gonna be believing this verse. It says, in the prayer offered in faith. Everybody say faith. 
This is key because everywhere in the Bible where it talks about healing or miracles, you have the word faith. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, will make the broken person well. The Lord will raise them up. Why? Because he binds the broken. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Isn't it interesting how the Bible addresses sin here? It goes on to say, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed physically, emotionally, spiritually. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Then take a look at this next verse because all of a sudden James just, he, almost like he goes off course. You're like, wait a minute, I thought we were talking about healing. And then he goes on to say, Elijah was a human being. Hold up, I thought we were talking about praying. I thought we were talking about laying, getting healed. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Here, James is retelling a story from the Old Testament that to fully understand, we need a few more details. Because in these two verses that he talks about is this journey of faith that God wants all of us to have. Because if we can understand this faith journey, we'll be able to understand healing in a greater way. So let's take a look at this story back in the Old Testament. I'm gonna be real quick for the next five, 10, 15, 25 minutes. We're gonna study the story. First Kings chapter 17, it just depends how much you talk back to me. The more you talk, the longer I go. You know that's right? But don't be quiet. First Kings 17, verse one. Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe, which only makes sense because if you're a Tishbite, it only makes sense that you're actually from Tishbe. It would be weird if you weren't from Tishbe. It was in Gilead and he said to Ahab, now Ahab is the king of Israel. Ahab is the king of God's people. It's important for us to know that Ahab was a wicked king. Ahab had stopped serving the God of Israel and he had started worshiping and following the false God of Baal. It's really important for us to understand that as, as we unpack this story. And Elijah says to him, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, implying to King Ahab, and you don't, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. See, Elijah had received this word from God that he was going to get Ahab, King Ahab, to turn from his wicked ways if it didn't rain and that he would send a famine along the, uh, along the land because Baal worshipers whom King Ahab worshiped, they thought that the, the false god Baal controlled the rain and that he was responsible for the abundant crops. And so Elijah tells King Ahab that very thing. The God of Israel gave me this word, and so it's not going to rain for the next three and a half years. Which made me have the thought that some of the famine, some of the drought, some of the lack in our lives, God might have allowed us to go through that for us to realize that we're worshiping the wrong things. Some of the lack in your life, some of the famine in your life, some of the drought and dry places in your life 
could be the grace of God in your life for him allowing you to go through that to show you that you are worshiping the wrong things, that you are worshiping things that will never give you what you're looking for. Because if you think about this story, this is actually the grace of God in King Ahab's life. Like if God wanted to, he just never would have addressed it. All right, King Ahab, you just keep worshiping this false God. I'm just gonna let you do what you wanna do. I'm gonna let you miss out on my blessing, miss out on my life, miss out on all the plans that I have for you. I know God didn't do that. Even with this wicked king, the grace of God was him sending the prophet Elijah to go and send a drought to show King Ahab, hey, you're worshiping the wrong things. But think about the faith of Elijah. Faith go, the faith is that Elijah goes to this king and has the boldness to confront him and correct him. How do you know King Ahab has the power to, to take Elijah's life? King Ahab has the power to put him in prison. King Ahab, he, he's the king. Here's this prophet going to him and he's confronting him. And so it shows us in order to understand faith, the first thing that we need to know is, number one, write this down. The second set of three points is, number one, faith begins with a word from God. Faith begins with a word from God. In other words, we can't grow in our faith journey without something on the inside of us that knows, man, God has spoken a word to our hearts. Let me show it to us in scripture, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says, so then faith comes. Well, how's it come? When we go to church and we hear it, even more so when we open up our Bibles and we read it, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God that our faith will grow as we dig into God's word. In other words, we, we need to read our Bibles until we get a word from God. We need to read our Bibles until his word comes alive on the inside of our hearts. Because if we're not reading God's word, if we're not digging into his truth, here's what's gonna happen to us. Our brokenness and our struggles are gonna have a louder voice than what God says in his word. That, isn't that what happens to us? Because in our brokenness, I'm, if you've ever, we've all been overwhelmed by our brokenness. We've all been in that place where we've been overwhelmed. And I'm just telling you from personal experience, when I'm overwhelmed by my brokenness, I can look back at my life and realize, man, I've been listening to what my struggles say instead of getting into God's word and standing on what God says, right? And if I don't, if I, and if I let the, the struggle's voice be louder than God's voice, how many know my faith isn't strengthened, it's weakened. And so faith begins with a word from God. I'm gonna stand on your promises. I was talking with a guy yesterday who's, who's kind of just in this place where he's struggling in his faith and he's talking to me about all his problems, all his issues. He's got physical brokenness. He's got, he's got emotional brokenness. He's just pouring his heart out to me. And, he, and he, he's just in this struggle. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, but where's God in this? Like you're, he's like, I'm, I'm going to the doctor next week. I'm gonna try and get, try and see what's wrong. And don't get me wrong. I, I'm all for doctors. I'm for all for medicine. But I think we run to those. But why don't we run to Jesus, the great physician? Let me just come to him with my brokenness. And he, if he wants to use doctors and medicine, absolutely. But he's not even thinking. I'm like, man. When's the last time you were in God's word? When's the last time you came to church? When's the last time? Well, no wonder, no wonder we're struggling with the brokenness being louder than God's voice because we're listening to the wrong things. And so faith begins with a word from God. As we continue the story with Elijah, well, fast forward, it's been three and a half years later 
and it hasn't rained just like Elijah had prophesied and told King Ahab. And what's interesting is that after three and a half years, Elijah goes and he tells King Ahab that it's about to rain. But at this point, there isn't even a cloud in the sky. It's still blue skies and sunny. There's no inclination. there's, There's no indication that it's even going to rain. How many of it takes faith? And so Elijah gets on his face to to, to pray and he's asking God to send some rain so that he can seal the deal that that Baal is no no God at all and that the God of Israel is the one and true God. And we pick up the story, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 43 and 44. It says, Elijah says, go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and he looked and he came back and said, there's nothing there. Anybody ever been there? We've prayed and we've asked God, but there there didn't seem to be anything there. We prayed and we've asked God to heal. We've asked God to, to comfort. We've asked God to heal our brokenness, but nothing seemed to happen. And then seven times, Elijah said, go back. I wonder who needs to hear this today. Go back and look again. You've prayed and asked God, pray again. You've prayed and asked God, pray again. you prayed and asked God, pray again. Pray again. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad the people that were praying for me and for me to get deliverance from drugs and alcohol and fine life didn't give up after the first prayer that they prayed. It was month after month, year after year, they prayed for me. And he says, seven times, go back again, pray again. You prayed, pray again. You prayed, pray again. The seventh time the servant reported, I, now this is my opinion, the Bible doesn't tell us. I think the servant just got tired of going back and forth. And so I think he just kind of made something up. He said, the, a cloud as small as a man's hand. Are you kidding me? You, you saw a speck in the sky and you're like, yeah, I think I see something, Elijah. It's a cloud that's the size of a man's hand out there and rising from the sea. That's a speck in your eye, bro. But Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And the second thing we need to understand about faith so we can understand healing, number two, is that faith continues regardless of what I see. Just because I don't see it, doesn't mean I stop having faith. In other words, what we see can be the opposite of what we sense. Yeah, you ever sense, man, God is up to something. God, I know I can't see it, but God's in this. I sense his presence. God's moving. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know how it's gonna work out. It doesn't even look like it from the outside, but I sense God doing something. I don't see anything, but my faith senses that something is happening. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says this, for we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, we're not focused on what we see, but rather who we serve, right? And as the story continues with Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 45 through 46, says, meanwhile, the sky grew black. Maybe that servant knew what he was talking about. It grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain came on, and Ahab rode off to to Jezreel 
And the power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt so he didn't trip, he ran like Flash Gordon ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. And here we see Elijah do something that is physically impossible to do. And the point is that God did such a supernatural miracle that it went beyond what they even expected. How many know we serve a God who does things beyond what we even expect? I mean, he doesn't just heal us, he delivers us. He doesn't just take that thing away, man. He gives us a life we never thought possible. And so finally, the third thing we need to understand about faith to help us understand healing is number three, faith goes from a small beginning to a grand finale. Faith goes from a small beginning to a grand finale. And I purposely put that small beginning because if you're anything like me, it's the part most of us don't like. We just want the end results. I just want you to do it. And too often uh, in this faith journey, we can become so focused on the destination that we miss what God's trying to teach us on the journey. I'll say it like this. I think there's two types of people in this world. There's the the journey people and the destination people. I don't know about you, I'm a destination person. And if you ever go on vacation with us, we don't want to look at anything. We don't want to stop anywhere. We don't want to go to the bathroom. We don't want to eat anything. We just want to get to the destination. We just want to get there. Forget the fact that we just passed the world's greatest whatever. Just want to get there. This can cause problems in your your relationships if you're married to a, a journey person. My wife's a journey person. Last trip, remember, we, we stopped at the world's largest candy outlet. The stupidest place <laughs> on the planet. It was the worst. It was like a big old flea market. I mean, what are we doing? Like, we got to get there. Where? We added 37 minutes and 25 seconds to our trip because of that stupid stop. But I'm just a destination person. I just want to get there, man. I want to see, I'm, I'm beating the clock. I'm racing the GPS. I don't believe it. It tells me it's going to be four hours. I think we can do it in three hours and 35 minutes. <laughs> and I'm out to prove it. But how many of us know that's not how God is? He's about the journey. Because he knows we're going to get to the destination. But I have some things I want to teach you on the journey. Zechariah chapter four, verse 10, we'll close with this. God says, do not despise these small beginnings. It's interesting that that word despise literally means to count as insignificant. God, where have I missed you? Because I didn't get the results that I wanted. I didn't get, I wasn't at the destination and I missed this small beginning that you had for me on the journey. God, help us not to count those small beginnings as insignificant. For the Lord rejoices just to see the work begin. In other words, as we talk about the journey as opposed to the destination, how many of us know the process is the point? God's come to heal our brokenness. 
physically and emotionally. But can I be honest with us? He's most concerned about our spiritual brokenness. There's some things he wants to teach us in our faith journey along the way. I was reminded today just of some, some people who are just near and dear to me and Pastor Justina, our family, this church. And this mom, this, this wife, this woman of God was, was diagnosed with, with brain cancer. She was given five years to live. That was 14 years ago. It was 14 years ago. God's done some incredible things. But at the same time, even though she's stable and doing good, she's still battling brain cancer. And I don't know why God heals sometimes and other times he doesn't. But you know what this woman could tell you? What she's learned about faith the last 14 years? The prayers that she's prayed, the comfort of her God? If she was up here today, you know what she would tell you? The process is the point. Don't be so focused on the destination that you lose sight of what God's trying to teach you on the journey. And I just, I wanna challenge us today to have this faith where we just believe, God, you bind the broken. It's why Jesus came to the earth. It's why he died on a cross. It's why he rose from a grave. Not only to comfort us in our brokenness, but to heal, to heal us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Let's believe God today. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you in this place. And God, we we know, we know there's healing in your name. We believe it, God. But then we also pray, help our unbelief. And right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're watching online or listening to this. If you came in today and you have a spiritual brokenness, you feel distant from God, maybe you've never surrendered your life to him, you've never given God your heart, today Jesus would remind you, this is why I came, not so that you could go to a church building, not so that you could know about the story of Christianity, but that you could encounter the messenger. You could have a relationship with the messenger. The messenger's name is Jesus. If you have a spiritual brokenness today, I'm saying he binds the broken. Come on, today is your day. And so with every, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you need God to heal your spiritual brokenness and you're ready to say, here's my heart, God, what you've always wanted, here's my life. I surrender it to you. Would you lift your hand to heaven, wherever you're at, watching online, joining us in person. Here's my heart, God. Heal the spiritual brokenness of my life. Would you pray this with me right where you're at? Say, God, thank you. Thank you for comforting me in my spiritual brokenness. 
Thank you for believing in me and accepting in me. Thank you for standing by me. Thank you, God, for this gift of your son, Jesus. Here's my heart. God, forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Redeem me. Restore me. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
for joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope. Oh,